a crude laboratory in the basement of his home. Welcome to the Tech Today podcast powered by CEO Radar. It's your host, John Mayetta. Check us out online at techtoday.com. We have plenty of content there, both premium and free. I'd say at this juncture, about 80% of what's on the platform is free content. Visit us at ceorader.com. Review your company, review your CEO, and Uber released their financials today. So you can check those out at sec.gov. And you know, we told you how we share about how we feel about Rideshare in general, that they are not terribly differentiated businesses, don't have high barriers to entry. And while Lyft and Uber have scaled, there's not really an enormous advantage to having scaled in this space. The one thing scale does give you, however, is that with the application, with the Uber application, for example, there's a bunch of intelligence that uh, Uber can glean from its its user base. And so there's, there's value there in the connectivity and the analytics that you can provide. The question is, how, how do you layer profitable services on top of that user base. So how do you drive revenue and EBITDA per user, per recurring user? Because at present, Uber continues to burn cash. Yeah, you know, in 2018, the reported numbers were revenue of $11.27 billion, a loss of $3 billion from operations. And if you back out stock comp and all that stuff, the adjusted EBITDA figure for 2018 is a loss of $1.85 billion. You have a gross margin of approximately 50%. And I'm someone who grew up in the software industry, so I'm used to software gross margins of anywhere from 70 to 90%. You know, in the old days when it was an upfront license revenue model, you'd have 90% plus gross margins. Now, with software as a service, typically it takes a little while for that gross margin to scale. But once it reaches steady state, you know, your 80-ish percent, percent gross margin, you have an EBITDA margin, which is largely a function of how much you want to invest in sales and marketing, R&D, all that stuff. Typically, sales and marketing is the is the big line item. In in my old info services space, we typically had EBITDA margins, operating margins, north of 30%, many of them north of 40%. In more traditional application software companies where the, the products are delivered over the, over the cloud, you may have operating margins north of 20%, north of 30%, maybe not typically as high as 40%. But nonetheless, I'm used to recurring revenue streams of 80 plus percent or more. I'm used to the type of margins I just described, free cash flow margins, which are, you know, typically lag EBITDA margins by a little bit, a few points lower. So high levels of revenue predictability, high, high levels of profitability and predictable profitability, profitability that, that scales on an absolute basis, even when margins are at steady state, because as you grow the top line, you're also growing the operating income line on an absolute basis. So those are the type of businesses I'm used to, and there's a lot of good ones out there. So why do we have to chase the shiny new thing? Just because the venture guys and the tech, the tech press has been talking you know, certain companies up for the past half dozen years doesn't mean you have to chase it when it comes to the public markets. I think a lot of those late rounds in Uber were done at very rich valuations. I think it needs to take a massive valuation haircut. So I mentioned... And we covered this before, but I'll mention it again. Low barriers to, to entry. I mentioned that a lot of the companies that are developing autonomous vehicles, for example, the cost of autonomous vehicles is, is rich in terms of the cost per vehicle mile travel. So as a result, uh, you know, the next few years are going to be spent on nailing down the safety element. And once that happens, what you'll see is companies roll out autonomous 
taxi services like Waymo is doing in Phoenix. And I can't remember if Cruise Automation, the, the autonomous platform that GM bought, if, if, if they have one that's rolled out on a limited basis in San Francisco, that was the plan as of last year. I, I, I don't know if that's happened. But you're going to see more and more of these autonomous taxi services roll out, meaning rideshare is going to get competitive, and it's going to get competitive quickly. And the companies that are, um, you know, that, that are going to roll these services out are, are larger than, than Uber from a revenue standpoint. And they're profitable, you know, particularly when you think about Waymo. And I realize it's kind of been, it's Waymo's been carved out of out of Google. It's it's a standalone, but it's got a parent it can lean on if it really needs to. So it's got some advantages that Uber doesn't have. So it's going to be a competitive space. So what does that do for growth? And I think if Uber and other rideshare companies can monetize their membership through analytics, through add-on services. That can layer that they can layer on to grow revenue per member, and ultimately to grow profitability per member. Then it becomes interesting. But you, I, with these businesses where they're so competitive, you need to start to see profitability. You know, it's it's different in software land where you may have two or three companies that own a particular industry vertical. I'm, I'm talking about the software vendors, and you may have a bunch of other competitors, but two or three guys will own, let's say, 75, 80 percent of the market share. But because it's such a good business, even the number five, number six player in the space is profitable and growing. And if you're one of the top, you know, the top two guys, you've got an awesome business, good growth, outstanding profitability and free cash flow. And so, it, you know, it kind of gives you a floor on valuation. It gives you a floor on risk. It mitigates risk when you're throwing off 30 percent of revenue as free cash flow. You don't have a lot of room for error when it's a competitive business. And on 11 billion of revs, 11.3 billion of revs, you haven't yet demonstrated the ability to show a profit. And it's not like, you know, when I used to cover and it hasn't changed, but covering a lot of a lot of the software guys that came out of Silicon Valley, and it's a cultural thing. Um, a lot of these software companies typically would would not run profitably. You know, operating income was typically a negative number. And the argument the management teams would make is, hey, you know what, we're running sales and marketing at 30% of revs because we're trying to goose growth. We can take our foot off the pedal and spend less on sales and marketing and show operating profit, but then revenue growth is going to slow, which is what I would have, would have liked to have seen, frankly. But that wasn't typically what happened. And I think a, a big reason for that, as I say, was it was cultural in the Bay Area to just keep your foot in the pedal, drive revenue growth, stay hot, keep employees. Employees in the Bay Area will often bail and move to the next best thing if they feel like their company's filling about a little bit jump ship go to the hot private company try to pick up shares on an ipo that's just it's just the culture it's what it is i bring that up because even though those companies typically did not take their foot off the accelerator and show profitability they could have if they would have taken their foot off the accelerator in terms of sales and marketing spend they would have been profitable it's not clear uber can do that you know, when you're when you're running a business that has a 50% gross margin, there's just a lot less wiggle room. There's a lot less cushion. It's a lot different than when you run a business with an 80 plus percent gross margin. Then each operating expense line doesn't mean so much. You know, if you're running at an 85% gross margin, you can flex sales and marketing, R&D, G&A. You can flex those operating expense lines more because you have so much more wiggle room, obviously. And so you, you sort of, when you jump into these 
companies that have a, a 50% gross margin or less, you're already kind of putting yourself a little bit behind the, the eight ball. There's a lot less room for error because from the get-go, you're operating at half of revenue as profit before you've spent the dollar on sales and marketing R&D or G&A. So that's all. Take a, take a hard look at this stuff before you jump in with both feet. Don't let the, the peer pressure or the hype force you to participate in a deal just because one of your you know, competitive funds in your, in your peer group is putting money to work in an IPO. That's not a good reason to invest. It's all for now. See you next time. Thank you.